St. John's Orange presents the St. John's Podcast, proclaiming God's Word with intentionality and boldness to make a positive impact on our world. If today's message brings some encouragement or a resolve to more fully follow Christ, please leave us a five-star review and please follow or subscribe to this podcast. Both of these simple actions help to increase our reach and will encourage others to listen. Now, open your heart to what God has for you today. Here's Pastor Trevor Van Blarkham. Well, welcome. It's good to be with you. There's no better place to be on a Wednesday evening during the season of Lent than right here at St. John's as we gather together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight we will also be taking communion as one body to receive the forgiveness of sins, to be strengthened in our faith and hold fast to the promise of eternal life that is given to us in the true blood and true body of our Lord. Now each time that we have gathered, we have looked at some form of repentance during Lent, whether it was when we began turning our hearts back to the Lord, finding comfort and worth in His forgiveness, the mercy of Jesus calling us by our name, or the purpose that He gives each of us as He calls us to new life in Him. Tonight, we look at how sometimes it's the things that happen to us that can make us feel alone and apart from God. Because I think there comes a time when each one of us finds ourselves in a dark situation. And I'm not talking about sin necessarily, though that of course can happen. I mean more of, well, uh, when you're doing the best you can, knowing that you still have your struggles and your weaknesses because you're human, but you're loving God, you're in God's word, you're in worship, you're praying, but you find yourself still wondering, God, why does it always have to be so hard? Why do you make me go through darkness, through these difficult times? And I guess if we spent a lot of time examining that, we'd get to the root question was, couldn't a God who loves us spare us from trouble and discouragement and darkness? And the early church fathers called that going through spiritual desolation. The feeling that things are dark and that God is not close to us. Now, before we even begin to be clear, God does not give us spiritual desolation. He may ask us to carry the cross of our struggles, be that with health or relational issues or work issues, but that God would give us spiritual desolation is a lie from the evil one. That God would give us darkness is simply a lie. God does permit the enemy to visit us at times of spiritual desolation because if we go through it well with that resisting, that understanding, that not giving in to despair or that hopelessness, I think each one of us would say that we grow in wonderful ways then through those dark times. For in every time that we encounter spiritual darkness, Our Lord has a way of drawing us deeper into prayer or into some other area that we've been nedgling it so that we can grow and stop being complacent but follow Him even in the midst of darkness. And as we'll see tonight, we're not alone in this. Not alone because our Lord Jesus Christ went through it. And not alone also because now He has promised us to be with us always. And that's why we gather here tonight to examine that. 
So when the bell rings, we will stand and we will begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen, we sing.
begin with a passage from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I invite you to please be seated. We're going to pray again tonight with the Litany of Humility, a series of challenging but important petitions in which we ask God through his grace to help us be truly humble. As we pray, we ask Jesus to deliver us from the desire for people to see us in a particular way or light. After each petition, we respond with, deliver me, Jesus. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me from the desire of being esteemed, from the desire of being loved, from the desire of being extolled, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved. We continue in prayer, asking Jesus to deliver us from the fears that prevent us from living life with compassion for God, others, and ourselves. We say together, O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, from the fear of being defamed, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, from the fear of being suspected. Our scripture tonight is from Matthew's Gospel, the 26th chapter, Jesus in the Garden. And as we read, we let our hearts settle and we silently ask that God would make us receptive to his word and ask for the grace to share with Jesus in his passion as we grow closer to him and are strengthened by him. From Matthew 26, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. 
He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And so tonight we are there, and we go there now. We are walking with Jesus and the eleven, after they have sung their hymn and are walking in the streets of the city up to Gethsemane, the trees there full of olives. Night has fallen, so there's not much sound, and it's quiet as Jesus enters into his time of sorrow, of burden, his time of the cross. And we can sense the heaviness in the disciples' hearts as they are walking. We can feel it in ours too as we gather. We know the story. We know what is to come. And when we arrive at Gethsemane, we prepare our hearts to watch as Jesus shows us through his own cross how to bear, how to endure, how to be in sorrow so that we also can bear our sorrows and burdens. He says his soul is sorrowful even to death, a deep sorrow that overwhelms his life. The Greek translates literally as the greatest feeling of sorrow imaginable. So we take a moment now to consider Jesus' sorrow there in the garden. What is stirring in our Lord's heart? We know that he knows the spiritual horror waiting for him on the cross. That he will hang in our place, the place of guilty sinners. And that he will receive the spiritual punishment sinners deserve. He who knew no sin would be sin for us. He will face God turning his face from him. He will face separation so that we will not have to. And he goes a little further in the garden to pray. The three are near him sleeping. Humanly, our Lord is utterly alone in his time of need. And I think that our hearts can feel that. We know what it means to feel alone.
And it's okay in these moments to ask what stirs in our hearts in those moments of feeling alone, the sorrow that disrupts the quiet of our minds. And we have come in this house of worship to be able to speak it to our Lord, to speak it silently, that sorrow in our lives that overwhelms us, that makes us feel so alone. That something that we can't make sense of, that doesn't seem fair, that burdens us and overwhelms us. And we speak it to him. And then we watch as Jesus' energy fails him. He falls down upon the earth. He cries out from his heart to God his Father. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. There is in Jesus, who is like us in all things except he is without sin, a desire to be freed from the burden, the pain, the suffering. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. How often have we made prayers just like this? Let this pass from me. Let this cup of sickness, of pain, of responsibility, of struggle, of sorrow, let this pass, take it away. find ourselves as Jesus was, face down in the dirt. And then we hear him say, yet not as I will, but as you will. He shows us that there are two wills. There is our will. There is his will. As I will, as you will. And we pray that we would be granted the courage to accept the Father's will in our own lives. That just as we pray, our will would be His will, that His will would be done. And when Jesus comes out of this prayer, seeking his friends, seeking to not be alone, he finds them sleeping. I'm sure this has happened to you too. Abandoned when you most need someone. But we watch as a second time Jesus repeats the acceptance of his Father's will. If this cannot pass unless I drink this cup, then your will be done. Again, he goes a third time and says the same thing. We don't know how long after this third time. Only that when he comes back, he says that I am ready. He wakes up the disciples and says, get up, let's go. The time has come. In his sorrow, it was his prayer that has strengthened him. 
He is ready to face the cross. And he shows us how in prayer we are strengthened because in prayer we do not turn to ourselves but to the strength that comes from above. He shows us to not look at the things that would be before our eyes but the things that are promised to come. What he has promised will come. And that I think is why we are here to receive his strength in our lives, to draw close to him in worship, in love, and in following. I don't think it was coincidence that he institutes the drinking of the cup on that night before he's betrayed. I think he knew that we would constantly be needing strength for what lies ahead as we follow him. Repeatedly in the Old Testament, the cup is the powerful picture of the wrath and judgment of God. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is mixed, and he pours it out. Its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink it down. Stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup, trembling, and you have drained it out. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, Take this cup of fury from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to, to drink it. Jesus speaks as the cup, as if he is the enemy of God, judged and forced to drink the cup of the Father's fury. And he does it so that we do not have to. The agony in the garden it's not because of death. It is because of the judgment. And it is because of the judgment that he drank it for us. And because of that, because he drank, he now offers to each one of us a different cup not a cup of judgment or wrath, but a cup of forgiveness, a cup of strength, a cup for us to drink in remembrance that we are loved, seen by Him, that He cares for each one of us, gives to each one of us what we need here in his body and in his blood we come our lord jesus christ on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said take and eat this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me in the same manner also he took the cup and after he had supped and given thanks he gave them saying drink of it all of you for this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For it is not peace that you receive, or for not wrath that you receive, but it is the peace. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
come and receive the gifts of God. Thank you.
stand. Now may this same body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ keep you and preserve you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen.
as we close our time of worship, we ask Jesus to guide us toward loving our neighbors before ourselves. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be. This podcast, along with all of our broadcast offerings, are listener supported. Would you consider partnering with us with a gift? Visit stjohnsorange.org to learn more and stay connected.